Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome. Just because the domestic leaves have stopped doesn't mean we've stopped. Can't stop, won't stop. Here we are. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod on Monday night. It's the Monday night Euro review show. As always, my name is Rory and I'm Adam, joined by my very hey, good Rory, friend. How are you doing this fine evening in the UK? It's very chilly, but we were joined by some international-like football this weekend, weren't we, Rory? And uh, some really funny stories that happened. Uh, for me, it was uh, personally seeing... Wickham players face each other in an international. That was last Thursday. Josh Lowe, nice first ever cap for Wales, facing his teammate TJ Debar for Gibraltar. So uh, I never thought that day would happen, but it has happened. Um, but yeah, what about you, Rory? What was the kind of story that got you hooked, or was it because of Ireland's campaign and being as miserable as it always has been this season or this year, should I say? Well, it, it, you know what the Ireland national team have resorted me to? They've resorted to me <laughs> to rugby. I have had to try. I tried to resort to get joy from Ireland Irish rugby. Of course they and did. then, of course, they lost to New Zealand by about three points. And I thought, oh, Frank, they can't do anything right. But from what I've been told, the Irish were very, very good. Obviously, I know New Zealand are incredible at rugby. I'm aware <laughs> of that. And it, it's the hardest draw they could have got. So still a very good showing. But my one step into Ireland, into rugby, instantly kicked me in the balls. Um, but the, the story this weekend is basically, there's a story we're going to cover. It's all that everybody's talking about over here at the minute. And oh, it is, of yeah. course, the betting scandals within Italian football. Um, all we can say to the rest of Europe is, it, the Italian national team recovering from a scandal <laughs> is a dangerous, dangerous beast. So we will see yeah. if they are the fa- now the favourites for next for next summer's tournament. Um, but yes, we do have a lot to cover this week, uh, despite the Premier League and Serie A being off. We need to talk about, uh, in Group A, Scotland yeah. qualifying, Norway not doing such. Um, we're going to talk about what is Ireland and the weird yeah. permutation that um, that they could have to try and take advantage of in the next week. Um, we'll be talking about England taking on Italy at Wembley again tomorrow night. So much history, so much recent history in that tie at the moment. It's just always incredible. Um, another Italian connection yes. in Group D as Vincenzo Montella gets off to the dream, dream start in the turkey job. And whisper it quietly. Are they dark horses? I have a theory about it. Um, and then we will be rounding up elsewhere. Of course, in Group E, we have Poland. Adam will be telling us about <laughs> yeah. post-Fernando Santos. Is it the sunny uplands that everybody dreamed of? Um, and then we'll have time to wrap everything mm-hmm. else up. There's plenty and plenty of groups. So, Adam, shall we begin with, seeming as it's Group A, and yes. we've got Chuck, Charles Davy in the group. Scotland are massive. Two euros on the bounce. We're here to stay. Yeah. Let's start with the feel-good story. Um, Scotland qualifying for the mm. second euros in a row. 
just how incredible a job is Steve Clark doing? It felt like forever yeah, since he's got, got them to a major dreaming tour. now, hasn't he? He's got them believing in themselves, and you can see certainly there's a lot more togetherness within the camp. There seems to be a lot more kind of fight for these kind of tournaments now and qualifiers. Um, but I think it's also credit to the way those players are playing for the respective club sides, Rory, as well. Because if you think about the likes of John McGinn, how he's playing, um, you know, he's turned into a formidable midfielder now this year. And we know about the likes of Aaron Hickey, for example, and what he did at Bologna. But there's so many of these kind of individuals that have gone off outside of Scotland as well. So, you know, there's a lot of players there that I think have gone under the radar to an extent, um, but they're performing really well when it comes to the national side. I mean, you only have to look at Scott McTominay and kind of wonder, like, how come mm-hmm. he can play as well as he does for Scotland, but not for Man United? And is that because of a coach that believes in him and, you know, you know, gives him the kind of ability to be free at what he does, right? Um, because he is essentially an attacking midfielder being played in the wrong position, I feel, at times. So... Yeah, I mean, what, mm-hmm. what about you? Well, I dare say a functioning changing room yeah, and a manager exactly. who has yeah, a clear true. idea might help. Um, like, mm-hmm. maybe for once, and this might sound mad, but, but the Scottish FA is a more stable thing than <laughs> Manchester United as an organisation. Um, and maybe that does help and is reflected in the performances. But beyond that, obviously, I think the fact that he, he just yes, has a clearly yeah. defined role within the team, like... At Manchester United, we've talked so many times about their midfield and how nobody really knows what they're doing. In that, mm-hmm. in that team, what that Scottish team know is their role. Everybody knows exactly what they need to do. They've had a fairly settled team now for a while. And I think we're really seeing the fruits yeah. of that now. I think it's incredible for them to get there. Like, Obviously, I think if we talk about the game itself, I still can't really believe Scott McTominay's yes, free yeah, kick yeah. was ruled it's out. Ridiculous. I think that was like actively trying to find a reason to disallow a goal there. Um and I think that goal does change the game yeah. if if Scotland go uh, score first. But we don't want to dwell on losses for them when they're going to be partying in Germany um, in the summer. And yeah, as you said, the players in Serie A, like Aaron Hickey, well, who were in yeah. Serie A, Aaron Hickey, Lewis Ferguson, etc. Um, players we've been enjoying for a while. So congratulations, Scotland. Um, they've qualified before yeah, England have technically qualified, yeah, right? So I'm sure they'll enjoy that. for the Scots, right? Um, but elsewhere within that group as well we have to talk about Spain Um, obviously Gavi got the goal um, and he's already got I think it's five goals for Spain now and he's the number of uh, caps he's got (laughs) I forget how young he is. He's still only 19, oh, yeah. right? but there what was, a player uh, talent he is. there anyway. But you, this is the scary thing about Spain at the moment. They seem to be having a little bit of a renaissance with these young players because they've had to cap uh, Amaral, who obviously is the Barcelona youngster. Could have been obviously mm-hmm. a choice of Morocco as well. Um, but they got that in early, just gave him an appearance against Georgia. And he scored even on that night as well, uh, Rory. So, yeah, it's a bit scary, the production yeah. line. There's... Um, a Polish youth international that currently plays in Barcelona and Spain are very eager to cap him as well. He's called Michał Zuk. Um, by all accounts, he's going to sway with a Spanish side um, because apparently Poland at the time didn't see or show enough interest in the kid. Um, but yeah, it's what he knows. He was born in Spain, but his parents are both Polish. So it's one of those scenarios. So okay. yeah, it is a bit scary though because they are really looking really good at their youth levels at the moment so just that kind of crop Mm -hmm. coming through I suppose the one thing Rory they just need an out and out striker right Murata can't hold the lines by himself (laughs) well you know what we keep doubting him and he keeps popping up and scoring he did get one against Scotland I meant sorry Gabby did score in the Georgia game yeah not in the Scotland game um but yeah he keep we keep we keep doubting him he keeps proving us wrong so maybe maybe we will see him like relive and become yeah. the reincarnated David Villa. Who knows? But um, he does keep proving us wrong. Um, elsewhere in that group, Norway, the team that we've kind yeah. of dubbed the new Belgium, maybe, or the, who are kind of the, the young pretenders of Belgium, a squad with so much talent. Now, they have 10 points is still a decent tally. But when you look at the three games lost, um, they should be doing yeah, a lot better than they have I been doing, right? If you look at the kind of mixture of experience slash with the talent that they've got they should certainly do better and I think that's the frustration of the Norwegian fans is right now they've 
probably got the best squad that they could ever hope for right now, c- given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think the last time they kind of qualified for a tournament was pretty much in the early 2000s, I want to say. And that was with the likes of Morton Gamps, Pedersen and co. And that's a long time ago when you remember oh. him whipping crosses for Blackburn Rovers, right? Um, but yeah, I think they've been craving this generation and it's not really playing as well in these group stages. So I would be very interested to see if they can somehow pull it off together in the playoff mix. But it's a big ask now. You're putting a lot of pressure on that group of players that haven't really performed up to this stage. So yeah, I'm not really... yeah too fussed if they don't make it either because I think the likes of Haaland probably would like a rest sometimes you know not playing yeah City would very much like him to have a rest I imagine City will be like sticking all their eggs in the Norway not uh, not uh, qualifying basket. Yeah, I, I feel like Arsenal as well. fans with Odegaard, we might think the same, but I would also yeah, really like to see Odegaard and Holland at a major tournament. I think you want to see the best players at the tournaments, right? And I think mm. those two are two of them. So hopefully they'll get there, but they need to... Obviously, both those players are still so very young as well. They've got big careers ahead of them, but they need to start thinking about how to get the most out of them before they end up with Belgium, where it's not quite, you feel like you've missed an opportunity, right? Um, But we're going to leave Group A there for now. Congratulations again, Scotland. Um, So, so happy (laughs) you're there, honestly. At least it won't only be England that are there from the UK, because no one else is making it at the moment. Um, Speaking of which, we're going to go to Group B. Um, France, obviously, Mm. six wins out of six. Um, But the talking points at the moment are all... Before I get to Ireland, Greece and the Netherlands. Now they are currently playing. It's nil nil. Yeah. Um, I think it's half time. This game is absolutely huge. Netherlands need to win this to draw level on points with Greece. But Greece do have a five goal difference, a plus five goal difference better than Holland. So this is like Netherlands need to win and need to win handedly. What, have you been surprised by Greece? I thought all of a sudden. They've just been quite good. I thought for years in the wilderness they were terrible, and now, or is it just a weak I group? I think there's something is it just a in weak between France, say, Rory. And I've just looked at some of the key stats from the match. Without their course has already missed a penalty for the Netherlands as well, so it's not looking too pretty for the Netherlands. Um, but Jesus, Rory, I forgot that the likes of Gas Poyet, he's a coach for Greece at the moment. I mean, I never thought we'd be uttering those words, but. Um, there is a side story to that as well, Roy, because I did see him being quoted for the Ireland job yeah. as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I but what I would that. say with Greece yeah, is yeah, they yeah. have got a few good players, like a few youngish players that are developing at the moment. So Simikas is obviously a well-known one. Uh, Vladimir Moss, who is the goalkeeper at the moment, he plays for Benfica. He's been on a cast mm. for a few times. Um, so there, there is a few names to look out for but I would imagine Netherlands with their quality I'm looking at who they've got at the moment in their team playing against Greece they should do alright but I think they probably aren't the Holland that we are used to Rory I think they're not the household names that we are used to from the early 90s to be honest um, so yeah it's going to be an interesting kind of transition they've gone back to Kuman, right as well I'm not big fan of Kuman personally mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, this could be another story where we see someone as big as Netherlands not qualifying for the next stages. It's strange because in the World Cup, mm. everyone kind of wrote them off. And beyond that game against Argentina, yeah, which was, was like, yeah. you know, an incredible game, they actually did pretty well, the Dutch. And they were playing some really good football and they were like, you know, exciting attacking wise. And they yeah, yeah. they were kind of getting slight shouts for it to reach the final. Right. And it feels like a long time ago now. Um, but yeah, they still just seem quite toothless. Like they've only scored nine goals in six mm. games. Like if you compare that to Greece, who scored 12, France have scored 13, like Ireland so has scored old, seven. So like, if you know what I mean, it, they're obviously just not quite clicking up front. And yeah. maybe that is about by course. Maybe that is, maybe that's the hole in the team. Um, but they need, need, need to get this win against Greece. I just noticed, and maybe I should have known this before. Did you know George Baldock from Sheffield I United did plays for Greece? That. Did not know that. <laughs> He's just come up in this squad, and I've just looked. He's got nine How caps did that for Greece. Happen? Did I miss I... something? Fair play. Um, there we go, guys. You can tell we could always research more. <laughs> it's before a live these shows. stream. You need to do research, <laughs> but... right? 
<laughs> I can do it right now. Um, I just have to double check that. Yeah, nine capsule what? grease. Madness. Anyway, fair play. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Some cutting insight. Um, but I've delayed it long enough. We do need to talk about Ireland. Um, they lost, of course, mm-hmm. uh, 2-0 to Greece. And so we lost away like in the last minute, and this game was kind of the the big chance to rescue anything. If you looked at the um, if you looked at the stats again, it doesn't look too yeah, yeah, different. Yeah. It's like similar number of shots, similar similar possession, similar xG. It's just not. There's just always those big moments. The Irish team is just not taking their chances, and they're just not defending well enough mm. when the other team gets the big chances. And it just feels like maybe there's a psychological thing now, or it feels like it's not to me. It feels like it's not tactical. It feels like it's not talent. It's just like they're on this run now. The narrative mm. is such that when you concede that one goal, then you you don't have it in you to get the to get the equalizer. And I just feel like that is the sign of a manager that needs to leave. Unfortunately, I think once you see that, that's when there's very little else. Well, I was going to bring do. up like, this stat. I don't know if you've heard this, Rory, but 10 teams have failed to win five or more games for the qualifiers. They currently include Latvia, Cyprus, San Marino, Gibraltar, Malta, Faroes Islands, Estonia, San Marino, Liechtenstein, and you'll guess who I'm going to say, Republic of Ireland. Yeah, that stat when I yeah. heard it was just like shocking. But I think... We said it on the last time that we covered the Republic of Ireland. We felt like it was probably a bit too harsh to get rid of Stephen Kenny, given this was a huge project piece. Now it just mm-hmm. feels like there's no nothing that's coming out of this squad. There's no kind of identity as such, apart from they play it nicely sometimes, but they can't be clinical. And I was looking at that squad that you were facing against Greece, and I'm thinking very workmanlike, right? But I don't know who's your flair, who's your players that are going mm-hmm. to be more clinical. Like with previous Ireland squads, if we think back to the likes of even Trapattoni, there were some experienced heads, right? There'd be players that you could go, he could do it in the Premier League, who could score goals, like, and you don't get that imp- same impression of this Ireland squad. And I don't know if you feel the same, but it does feel like that's where it, your reliance on the likes of even Ferguson, for example, just to deliver. Like when he's not in a squad, who is that person going to be? I mean, we, we've spoken about Sinclair yeah. and he's young, right? So it's probably too harsh to expect him to deliver. But mm-hmm. again, you look across that island squad, I don't feel like there's someone that springs to mind that could just give something different. And I, d- I don't know, you're closer to it, but I think there's, yeah. There's the general, like, I think the general age of the squad is a lot younger than past squads, and it is supposed to be the start of a journey. It is a lot of, like, developing players, but also it is a League One championship-level squad. Like, beyond Evan Ferguson, not many of the players play in the Premier League. I think Jason Knight is an exciting player, but he's not in the Premier League. Like, And I think there's just not quite that base level of talent that you need. That If you look at even the Wales squad, they have basically yeah, exactly. Premier League quality throughout the squad, even at centre-back or yeah, yeah. midfield. They've got one or two players that are Premier League quality. I just feel like Ireland, have, there's just been that drop a little bit. And that maybe in a couple of years when the players develop, it will yeah. be there. But right now it isn't. Um, and it is worrying that you have one player like Evan Ferguson yeah. where you're just like, well, as long as he's fit, we've got a chance. So already you're just like banking on this one person and he's 18 years old. Um, You're right. There's no real older head on the pitch to grab everyone and be like, right, let's go. Um, It's just not maybe Duffy, but even he's getting towards the end of his career now. And it just feels, yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's not as good a squad as the general people mm. in Ireland seem to think or expect, but it doesn't make no. this qualification of a process any less depressing because when you do talk about the other teams yeah, that haven't exactly. won any games or haven't won five mm. games, you don't want to be in that group. Like we're going to finish this qualification period having mm. only beaten Gibraltar twice. That's not great. Like that's, and like no disrespect to Gibraltar at all. I love that every country can play football. I think every country should be playing football and you have the right to go up against everyone. But it mm. shouldn't even be worth yeah, noting exactly. that you've beaten Gibraltar, if you know what I mean. But it's just so it, it's it feels like a dead man walking now. He's just slowly walking towards that chamber because we know it's going to happen the second the qualification period is over. And I just hope that they don't panic and just go back to type and go to <laughs> Mick McCarthy or go to Sam Allardyce or go to some manager who's just a workhouse manager. And I hope they do try and get someone exciting. Like if it is 
And again, I don't know much about him, but Lee Carsley is getting a lot of hype with the England under-21s. Yeah, he obviously played for Ireland. There's a lot of kind of talk there. But then again, that's going to mm. take patience again. That's going to take, like, this is an untested manager at the top level who likes to play good football, who's got a young squad. Like, we're in the same situation. We're just hoping yeah, that he gets off to a better start. I don't know what you're hoping. Like, if you know what I mean? So I think there's also the issue of people will have yeah, to remain patient regardless um, and realistic. Um, but let's go through the weird permutation, Adam. Now, you tried to explain this to me, but I'm terrible with it. Do you want to go one yeah, more time? I'm, I'm struggling, to be honest. To I'm going to try my best, Holland. but essentially... <laughs> You've got to make sure that you lose against the Netherlands to qualify for the playoff mix. Um, essentially, it is a case of extended chance of qualifying. You would then face essentially a group third or fourth place team, potentially, depending on how many teams there are in the group and they face off in a playoff mix, essentially, knockout rounds. Um, so, yeah, I think it's the best four i want to say that qualify through um but yeah it, that includes the likes of poland potentially norway could be in that mix um so there is some big teams that could be missing out on the automatic places as it currently stands rory uh i'm not even holding up too much hope for poland so you know if you're worried about ireland yeah. <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> look do I really want to see Erling Haaland against Ireland? Probably not. Like, I've had to watch Ireland lose to Spain and France and Thierry Henry and all sorts of strikes. I don't know if I really no. want to go through Ireland having to try and take on Erling Haaland. But, um, look, I don't think we're going to get a result in Holland is my hot take. Um, so maybe we could yeah. see that permutation happen. Um in front of our, our eyes and maybe um, Stephen Kenny will get another couple <laughs> yeah, of weeks, a couple of months um, within the job. Who knows? But the good news is Ireland are currently yep. beating Gibraltar. Um, Evan Ferguson has scored, um, as has Michael Johnston. Um, so maybe just mm. get a few goals, boost the confidence, something um, to get a positive out of this um, international break will be nice. Um, but beyond that group, mm. yeah, I think that's group B done. Um, I'm going to move on to group C. It is the Anglo-Italian pod um, group, as it is uh, why commonly known. Um, and let's should we start let's with England start or with Italy? The light story, which is England, right? There's just not there's not a lot. There's a lot to talk <laughs> yeah, about. Let's start right? with the, <laughs> the fun one. Um, so England did beat Australia one 0 in a friendly. Um, Gareth Southgate did experiment. I did like some of the players that he played. I liked Ollie Watkins getting a yeah. full run out and getting his goal. Um, I liked how Jack Grealish looked annoyed, <laughs> even though that shot there. was definitely going off target. It it did yes, look a bit yeah, David Nugent. Yeah. when David Nugent hit the goal from Jermaine Defoe? Um, did, yeah. But I think it did need that touch. Um, and I was really impressed mm. with Australia. Before we go into England, I was really impressed with how they played. I thought first half in particular, they really like actually... Like, again, the team that did really well in the World Cup, we know what they're about. But I was really impressed about how they went at it. Like, they look yeah, like a massively. team that's still I feel like, eh? you know, a few years' time, that quality, if it continues in the same way of, like, form, then they could even be better than they are right now. So, um, yeah, really impressed by the mm -hmm. intensity, you know. Like, yeah, you could tell there was a difference in class amongst the English players versus the Australians, but they didn't give up. And they certainly gave a lot of heart um, towards the end, you know, when they were pushing for that equaliser. You almost felt like, oh, this is England being a bit nervous again. And there was a few times where England defenders were having scrap around and hook balls as much as they could out of the box. So um, fair play to them. It was just that lack of quality, mm -hmm. right, Rory, with Australia. And I feel like with you yeah. in terms of like Southgate, gave a lot of opportunities to some of the players like you said Watkins I did mention with a friend though I feel it's like he needs to be a bit more clinical when he's in front of goal for him to be a chance of being in that England squad because if you think outside of Harry Kane then there's going to be a slot for someone to jump in and be that striker now at the moment if I'm playing it against yeah. Ivan Tony. I think I'm going to still give it to Ivan Tony based on the current way that Watkins played it. Personally, I think Watkins could have done a little bit better in that particular match. I don't know. I think I think we have a go at Southgate for picking players regardless of form and not mm -hmm. picking players who are in form. You can't pick a player who's not 
no, no, no. But six, I think if you had like them at the same abilities, then I still think Ivan Tony still is the yeah. better striker out of the two. If they're both on form, in that yeah, respect. yeah, okay. No, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, but I do think at the moment, as we stand, Ollie Watkins is the second best choice. Um, I think the way he started the season, I think he offers a little bit yeah, more yeah, than Callum Wilson. Um, and he definitely yeah. offers more than Eddie and Katia. Um, and I think he's comfortably like mix, without yeah. Tony being in the in the talk and stuff. I think he's comfortably the second best choice behind Kane. And I think he can kind of do a similar-ish yeah. job. Now, obviously, his playmaking isn't isn't as like his yeah. range of passing isn't as good. He's not as good an all round player as Harry Kane. But I think the the runs he makes from deep, mm-hmm. he is able to drop off. deep yeah, and, yeah. and and like play make. And I think he's getting better at timing his runs. I feel like he was a striker who used to always get caught offside or was always just slightly behind the ball. I feel like Emery's really improved yeah. that in him and he's improved it in him as well. And I think you're right. His, his clinicalness has always been an issue, but this season it seems like he's getting more clinical. Um, obviously this game, he was unlucky with the first shot that he was kind of cleared yeah, off the line. He just didn't quite yeah. hit it hard enough, but it was a nice attempt at a finish. I think we're seeing a player yeah. actively improve in front of us. So I think he, for me at the moment, he's going to be like the yeah. player that yeah. comes on for Harry Kane or whatever. If you know what I mean, he's going to be the second choice. Um, I also liked Jared Bowen getting a shout. I feel like he's been ignored a few times, um, but he's been so good for West Ham this year. It's great on to that, see him. Do you him. think he was a bit quiet, um, by the way? Tomori? Jared Bowen, do you think he was a bit quiet, Sorry? though? Yeah, he he was a little bit quiet. He had a few runs down the wing where I thought we could maybe get the best out of him. But I thought because he's been playing with West Ham this season, yeah. he's been playing as a striker. So I think maybe he's a bit more in that yeah, mode at the true. moment. He's having yeah, to yeah. switch back to last season, if you know what I mean, that maybe that, that had an effect. But I also think this team, because this is the first time these 11 players yeah, have arguably course, yeah, ever yeah. played with each other. I think there was, there was like an issue there as well. And it was important mm. for England to just get the win and keep going, even yeah, though it's yeah, you know, just a friendly. It's always nice to beat the Australians <laughs> in any sport. Yeah. I will die on that hill. So um, that was nice. Tamori getting a start. Lewis Dunk getting a start. Sam Johnston making some great saves in the first half. And then we need to talk about the elephant in the one. room, the rainbow <laughs> flag painted elephant in the room in Jordan Henderson. Um yeah, it's good that he got a run out. You know, we've still not learned everything about him I yet, don't have we? I know if he should even be in that squad, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to be one of those boo boys, I'm afraid. But I have no place for him. I can't understand why he's in that squad. Southgate referred to the fact that he didn't pick him because of popularity. Because if popularity was a thing, then his squad would look different. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but if popularity wasn't a thing, then why is Harry Maguire getting in the squad, right? So... This is the thing. I think there is a difference between popularity and playing people because you trust in them. Um, but there's a huge elephant in the room, should we say, which is where he stands, what he believed in, why he made that move to Saudi Arabia. And that all unpacks when you mm-hmm. play that against Jack Hendry, who plays for Scotland, but plays for the same team as Jordan Henderson. But there's not that hype around him for what he believes in there's no hypocrisy there so this is yeah. where i think it's lost in translation is that there is a bit of hypocrisy with what jordan henderson did and yeah fair enough professionally he decided that's the move for him to do but yeah the rationale wasn't there and that's why he got booed yeah no like, i think i think you can't you can't not play someone for yeah. their like let's say political beliefs, right? You can't not do that, but you can't then act mm-hmm. confused when they get booed. Right? Yeah, about, oh, exactly. I have no idea why they're getting booed. But I do also think it is a mix of the fact of like, why is this man still in the team? Now there's been 11 non-British clubs to provide an England captain, right? I'm just going to go through the list yeah. and it just stands out instantly. So you've got Hamburg with Kevin Keegan, Milan with Ray Wilkins, Juventus, David Platt, Sampdoria, David Platt, Inter, in, uh, Paul Ince, Real Madrid, Beckham and Owen, LA Galaxy, Beckham, yeah, course, Torino, yeah. Joe Hart, Torino in there, my guys, um, Atletico, Kieran Trippier, mm-hmm. Bayern, Harry Kane, Al Etifak, Jordan Henderson. Yeah. Like, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. you got these huge giants of European football, like, and then just 
it's simply he is not playing the required standard to say that he deserves a place yeah. more than other England players that are that deserve chances. We're looking at a very deep, yeah. deep squad, a deep resource at the moment within English football. And these qualifiers, these friendlies are your chance yeah. to figure out what's going to happen next year, what's going to happen in the next two years, three years. There's Customism. no point playing this bloke. There's just no point. Even if you just keep it simply to football, he's not playing the required exactly. standard and he's not been good enough. And you mentioned I think it's just how as simple as you that. were happy that Southgate played a bit more experimental. There's a good play in form. James mm-hmm. Ward-Prowse makes a move from Southampton to West Ham to stand a chance of being an England international and still doesn't get a yeah. call-up. He's baffled why he's not getting a chance in front of someone like Jordan Henderson, who doesn't need a cap, right? So there's nothing to be gained from putting Jordan mm-hmm. Henderson apart from game time playing in an international stage. There's nothing to be gained here. So yeah. I'm sorry, but again, lost in terms of why Southgate decided to play him in this particular fixture. You could have rested him if you really felt that he was going to be a pinnacle kind of option for the Italy game, which I'm sure we'll go into. But um, again, just the, the, there was an opportunity there, Rory, to have played someone different. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it that, yeah, that's it. It just feels like a missed opportunity. And someone sat there on the bench, <laughs> just a bit miserable that he's still playing. Um, but. Good win for England still yeah. heading into yeah. this big game on Tuesday night um, at Wembley as we take on, as yeah, we face, they face, whoever, whatever pronoun you want to use, um, as they face Italy mm. in what is a massive game. Now, of course, with Italy, there's never <laughs> scandal far away. And of course, it's a financial scandal. And of course, Spalletti is dealing with yeah. it in the good grace that we've become accustomed to. But in case you have missed it, um, it all started with yeah, Mr. Beans, um, Nicola Fagioli, who was named in an illegal betting scandal um, on a website that was shared kind of by yeah. this Italian influencer. She's like a showgirl influencer anyway. She kind of put this thing up. All the footballers mm. signed up. Anyway, there's lots and lots of footballers involved. Now, the thing is, betting in Italy is different to in England. So you can only bet with companies that are yeah. like state owned basically or state sponsored so you have to when i signed up to the betting company here i had to put in like my social security number basically and it's like all Mm. government subsidized or government run right so obviously that opens the door to illegal gambling as well so the second you gamble with a a website a company that's outside the country that's illegal so i can't bet with bet 365 while i'm here right now the footballers who have been named who are since um zaniolo Sandra Tonali. Um, Sandra Tonali. Not Chiesa. Yeah. It was Tonali, Zaniola and Tonali. Um, they've since left the squad. Um, they've left Convertiano and said, like, we need to deal with this. Our head isn't in the right place. Now, they both insist that they haven't bet on yes, football matches. They only played card games and poker. Now, at which point it becomes a, yes, a crime, yeah. not a sporting crime, if you know what I mean. And I have mm-hmm. less of an issue with that. Fajoli, it seems like he was betting on football and maybe Juventus games and maybe kind of things that he was involved in. Now, he said from the beginning, I'm guilty. He's admitted it. That seems to have taken some time off his sentence of how long he would be banned. It originally was going to be five years, but then he said because he's kind of given names, he's basically snitched. And because he's given the the guilty plea that it could be down to like three years, a year and a half. Um, so he's definitely going to be away from the game for a while. Really, really, really disappointing yeah, yeah. for a young, That's exciting cool. player whose career was really starting to take off at Juve. It does make you wonder. Like I was talking to Tommy uh, at the weekend. We met up on Saturday night, and he was like, why do these people with Always. all this money need to go to an illegal website yeah. to make more money? Like I was like, I just said, look, when, you, when you've it's got that much of, money, you want to do yeah. something with it. You can, there's only so many watches you can buy, right? Um, but... Um, Adam, is this just another nail in the coffin of the reputation for Italian football? It's it just not feels helpful, like it's is endless, it, to be honest. It? But on this occasion, I feel like it's young players because I've heard... I'm just trying to find the actual uh, tweet, but there is some other linked names. One of them, which I know was retweeted by a Polish nas- uh, site, which was uh, Nikola Zalewski, is also uh, alluded to be one of them. 
Um, ah, but there yes. is a list of at least, I believe, 20 potential culprits, all individually doing different things by the sounds of it, or could be very similar activities. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't help the Italy team, does it, at all? You're talking about hugely talented players. Makes you kind of wonder whether clubs knew about them doing these activities and hence why they were moved on potentially um so that's another question mark to see mm-hmm. how in depth did they know about the situations and did they understand the risks that's why they sold these players on um but it's it's a bit disappointing because you mm-hmm. look at Zaniolo it felt like he was getting his reputation back up you know starting to play well again and you know showing signs of being potentially coached to be even better under Emery and that leaves them in the well a slight predicament because it means potentially they don't have to sign him on as part of the loan agreement I would imagine with um, Galatasaray but yeah. then yeah it leaves a bit of a issue with Galatasaray now going forward and as for Newcastle I mean it depends on how severe the Tonali situation is because again you're talking about a 70 million asset that could potentially not be playing for the next three years um, yeah. so Huge permutations. Um, but yeah, from a Azuri point of view, that's not the best kind of run-up to an important game, right, Rory? Because Spalletti's, Spalletti's dealt quite game. well with it, considering. And I think they've got enough talent to fill the void of these two individuals. But, I mean, you're not saying that they wouldn't have added something to these mm. games, right? Um, so yeah, disappointing for the Italian point of view. But there's a lot of question marks I've seen about FIGC members potentially being sacked because they're not dealing with this mm-hmm. in an appropriate manner or not being maybe a firm hand on the situation. Um, so there's lots of question marks. And yeah, well, I'm sure you can fill us in anyway. That's classic <laughs> yeah, FIGC, exactly. to be fair. Um, I would say that's classic national so. association. You can say about yeah. anywhere not being a firm hand on the till. But yeah, but I think um, like we also do have to say that like yeah, whilst they've not been dealing with it in the best possible way, and when you'd think they'd be good at dealing <laughs> with scandals by now, like they'd have a kind of plan, but apparently not. But we do also have to say this is a football-wide problem. Yeah, this yeah, isn't like an Italy problem. This is you know we've just talked about a striker mm-hmm. who's got yeah. done for betting on his own games, like and is due to return in January. Like it, it, this is an issue that again, football at some point needs to face its its relationship with gambling yeah. and with gambling That's companies because and we've talked about it before on the pod when you have young boys yeah, yeah. or young girls whoever with lots of money mm-hmm. and they're yeah. wearing better spot betting sponsorships they're taken out for dinner by spe- betting sponsorships they're giving gifts they're doing this they're doing that yeah. you're the official front of a betting company in singapore whatever it is of course you're going to be like oh yeah, yeah just yeah, stick exactly. 20 quid here 500 quid there grand there because the lines are so blurred at this point that like obviously you would hope people would have the common sense to be like oh no i can't bet on football i'm a footballer but have you met people nobody has common sense i'm not even i'm not sure i have common sense like if you know what i mean like people make stupid decisions so i think when you've got these things that are like clash of interest or within your career it needs clarifying just for everyone just to be sure it used to be like, right, you cannot do this, right? You, these are the rules. Like even I'm a teacher, right? I'm kind of running a school. When we hire new teachers, we yeah. lay out rules to everybody just in case some people are idiots, right? And I think there should be more of a kind of when they're young players, a kind of induction of, look, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. These are the pros. These are the cons, whatever. Just yeah. take more responsibility because these are not going to be the last players that are called out for it. And as you said, the list is like 50 mm. names, I think, of players that are involved. And this is just in yeah. one country, in one league, in like, you know, of you think Ivan Tony is the no. only English footballer betting on football. Like, of course not. So I think there needs to be a change in relationship and a kind of, again, the mm. associations and the leagues and the clubs yeah, need to be taking more responsibility for this because... Um, it can't all just land yeah. on a 22-year-old footballer who's yeah, bored exactly. in a hotel room. If you know what I mean, like it just it seems it seems unfair to me to an extent. Um, but also, they are, are stupid bastards for doing that. Like I don't know why you would illegally bet in the first place. It just feels like a recipe for getting your thumbs taken in 10 years when you owe somebody money. Or your kneecap, <laughs> like, basically. <laughs> I don't know. It never. Yeah, exactly. It never feels like a great idea, illegal and gambling in the same sentence. But anyway, um, if we go to the pitch and on the pitch, um, 
Italy were yes, playing in Bari. Italy, yes. They played in Bari. Um, they all had incredible words to say about the atmosphere after the game. They said it's great that we um, yeah. tour around the country. We get all yeah. the fans to be, are able to see the Italy team. They buy in so much more. Yeah, it was a complete was. sellout. Of course it was. Um, and again, a bit of a kind of jigged lineup. I think um, Spalletti is kind of playing with a few things. The one that caught my eye was Moisey Kane on the left (laughs) wing. Um, Now, I know it's Malta, so it's not like, again, no disrespect to Malta, but it's Malta. Um, I thought he had a few moments where he looked like he could beat his man, get a ball into the box, but you weren't as impressed, were you? I think he's a bit like Bambi on ice, really. I think he has his... He has his little turnovers, <laughs> swings at things, um, but he's, yeah, I, I can't see him nailing down a career for him in that position. Having said that, look, Spalletti had to work with what he was given, I suppose, to an extent. So um, that was the next yep. best thing. Um, look, there's always been a play in Moses Kane. I just think maybe he needs to be played in his natural position, personally. I don't think he should be forced on the left-hand side. But if it works for Spalletti, if it gets something out of him, fair play. I just don't, I think there's, more talented options, shall we say, Rory, that can play the role that he tried mm-hmm. with Moses Kane. But that was a good experiment, right? We, we talk about Southgate experimenting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no difference here with Moses Kane. And maybe, you know, he's trying to look at the, exploiting that left-hand side, maybe at England, you know, because they seem to be reliant on playing like a Levi Colwell or, you know, a Tomori on that left-hand side. So why yeah, not? Yeah, why yeah. not give it a chance, you know, um, if that brings out something out out of that game potentially you never know i mean it only needs that kind of one moment of like lapse of concentration and that could be the opener so um let's wait and see rory but yeah i mean i i wasn't saying this is going to be a permanent move let's put it that way i think there's more talented players within that azuri no. squad that can play that position so but yeah i think yeah or- Cellini, get Orsolini starting. He should have been starting. For example, was another one that could play it out. He did. Yeah, well, he got his debut. Destiny Adoji made his debut finally. People have been waiting, but he did come on for DeMarco and he did make his debut. That was great to see. Berardi again, two goals. He's absolutely flying under Spalletti for Italy, having a great season. He's killing it in Serie A as well. Like, really, a player absolutely loving his football. The one, two, and then on the spin just takes it and blasts it past the Maltese goalkeeper. It was just splendid, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, he's when he's on that kind mm-hmm. of form, you kind of think, how is this guy still playing for Sassuolo? <laughs> but we know too well why he plays for Sassuolo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, there's a reason why he plays for Sassuolo. <laughs> but yeah, when he's on fire like this, I mean, he could be the difference for Italy on the day. This is the thing. He can just switch it on mm-hmm. for them. Um, another player that I was impressed with, Fratesi again, playing quite well. But the man we also want to talk about is yep. Bonaventura. He had a fantastic game for Fiorentina oh, against Napoli. And boy, he just seems to be younger than it actually his age is. I mean, I I, you know, I couldn't believe he's 35 years old. When, you, when I saw that, I was like, no way. Yep. He plays like Jude Bellingham when he wants to be, right? Yeah. yeah, he's absolutely smashing him in this year. To be fair, like he becomes the oldest Italy player to <laughs> score their first goal for the for the country at thirty five. Yeah, thirty four, thirty five years old. Um, like he's a player we've talked about a lot, especially last season as well. He was so key for Fiorentina in that yeah. in that Conference League run. He was so key in that like everything they did. And I just think it was a it was also an incredible yeah. goal. It was also just a great finish outside the box, smashed it, just beautiful. And in the post-match interview, um, I think he said in the post-match interview, <laughs> sorry I was late. When, uh, or, no, uh, yeah. yeah, sorry for being so late. When yeah. someone asked him about his first goal, he was like, oh yeah, sorry for being so late, which I really did like. Um, but yeah, great to see him. Another, like in that he midfield, is. he's just he a great option. Is. He's just a really great, solid option to have. Like Barella, Locatelli and no. Bonaventura is not a bad midfield at all. Like in terms of like you lose Tonali, bringing him in is just... Yeah, no I, I, real yeah. drop-off, to be honest. Um, and then you see the players who came off the bench. You had Skamaka coming mm-hmm. off the bench, Orsolini coming off the bench. Like, it does feel, this Italy squad does feel a little bit healthier. Um, and Spalletti does seem to be getting a little bit yes, more than yeah, Mancini definitely. was. Start, um, start it does, like, it, the, the squad yeah. does feel a bit revitalised, a bit more 
energetic, yeah. right? It feels like there's there's been a fresh start. Maybe the FIGC did kind of nail yeah, that, that timing on I the. I think they got that uh, right. It's interesting seeing Buffon be the cheerleader. He's clearly there for patriotic reasons. Mm. Probably not so much a coaching aspect, but he loves oh, yeah, he being loves in that it. environment. So, um, but yeah, I, I think Spalletti's starting to get a tune. If you remember, not so long ago they were struggling to like get a result. I've forgotten against who it was now. Um, North Macedonia, yeah. North exactly. Macedonia so, when they drew. Um, yeah. yeah. Complete contrast. They've just changed it around. I think Spalletti's been able to play around with the squad. And I think I will pose this question, Rory. Where, where do you think Italy can cause England troubles and issues? Because it's interesting. We probably see England causing Italy trouble. But actually, I, I want to focus on what can Italy do against England? I think, yeah, if I look at the Italy squad, I think... Is it the, the midfield? The, their defence is actually very good. The defence is very good. And I think between the defence and the and the goalkeeper, now, as you'd expect with an Italy team, but they are defensively very solid. But I also think the style they play, I can imagine England getting yes. caught out. They're quite quick in, like, their moves forward are very quick. I think... The fact that I think at wing back yeah, we're a little bit weak. Side. I think England are mm. not the strongest at wing back. I feel like both left left but left back and right back we're not. They're not all kind of strong positions. So I think when you look at uh, Berardi, I know I keep going on about him, yeah. but and also Lini, whoever these are players who can cause problems. So I think that could be an area where England need to be a little bit surer. Like just get Trippier there, left back. I'm not sure who you play to be honest. Like Colwell is good, is but he's no. very inexperienced. He's... Like, so I think Chilwell is he yeah, fit? I saw him in some England videos. I don't 50, know if he's 50, actually fit it? though. I think on that one, but I can um, see them playing a three in the centre back, kind of three at the back potentially, with maybe Levi Colwell mm-hmm. being that kind of left hand sided player potentially. Um, but then you, you're relying on potentially that attacking left sided player to drop back when they have their counter attacks or anything like mm-hmm. that. So. I don't know. I, for me, I think it'll be interesting the uh, midfield battle as well because we, we talk about Barella. We talk about how, you know, Bonaventura or Locatelli can control that midfield. If you could put, contrast that to the Italy side that did win the Euros, right? I think this is a better midfield this time around and they've still got the likes of Fratesi still to come into mm-hmm. that mix, right? But it'd be fascinating who they'll face off and yeah. I did see like a leaked team that they think is going to face and it had Cristante so our good man, Brian, is he the man? Do you think he's going to do anything different? Or is he going to be like the Jordan Henderson for Italy? He's a player that I know it's a long time ago now, but he came on in the yeah. Euro final and he changed the game. Like we didn't match up when he came onto the, on, when he came onto the field. So I think he's mm. a player that's caused us problems before. Um, I think he gets far too much stick, Cristante. He's just very no, good at what he not. does. No, He's no. not flashy. He wins the ball. He passes it. That's what he does. Like, and I think he is. He does get far too much stick, that lad. So I think the the first thing that came into my head is I remember him coming on the Euros final and was not actually yeah, yeah. matching that. Um, so I think mm. he can he can definitely definitely do a job. And if Gareth is going to play Henderson, <laughs> then. <laughs> We really are in trouble, but um, I think it should be a great game. I think I still expect England to get the win. I'll be honest, um, but I think there could be quite a few goals in this game. I think honestly, it could be a bit of a like um, a heavyweight clash. What do you think? Being like a two or two, personally, I think it'll be very open, but it'll be maybe mm, that okay. there'll be a late goal just to get that two all uh, potentially, and it'll be a lapse of concentration. Wouldn't surprise mm. me if someone like Harry Maguire turns up and yeah, he concedes like a stupid free kick on the edge of the area, and somehow they work out a routine. But yeah, I, I think this will be a very fascinating game for Italy as well, just to mark where they've progressed, right, Rory? Because I think they've gone through a period under Mancini mm-hmm. where. It didn't look like there was going to be anything inspiring. And now they've got this kind of youthful blend of players that have got the right kind of blend of experience right now. They can play. A lot of those players have played in the Premier League, right? And they've got some players that have played on an international stage against their counterparts. I'm, I'm genuinely excited for this match. I'm just gutted I couldn't get a ticket for it personally now because I would have loved to have gone now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I think it will be a score draw, score draw for this one. 
We will see. I'm going to be watching regardless. It's going to yes, be a definitely. it's going to be a cracker. It's going to be a cracker. But we're going to jump on and we're going to move to Group E because Poland <laughs> uh, because yeah. Adam, you are repping yeah. the shirt. Poland, it it's is. a new dawn. It's a new era. Tell so us about this Polish pet, Michał Probesz, who. Uh, He's got a bit of history of playing a philosophical style of football. Um, was with the under-21s prior to Fernando Santos being sacked. So, obviously, that was a natural progression for him to jump up. But he's got a good understanding within the Polish leagues. He understands the Polish system. But also, he has coached abroad. So, he has coached in Greece. Um, so, he was known for bringing up talents like Simikas and co uh, through the youth team so he has got that kind of blend oh, nice. but he's definitely tried to change the philosophy uh, players have uh, remarks about how they are actually excited about turning up at the camp which they haven't done for probably the last two to three years <laughs> it's always always nice yeah, to hear. it's always nice um, to hear you know you can see that they've changed their style and he's given a chance on certain players one of the players in question that has got a lot of the media in Poland in a whirlwind, shall we say, is Patrick Peder, who plays for Spal in Serie C. So that was a very bold move by Probesh because we're talking about a player that was playing for the wow. under-21s, not necessarily a household defender. I mean, if you look at some of the players that we've got in the squads, like Viterski, who plays for Calgary, you would anticipate him to be at a better chance of playing for the national side. But he put full trust. He played him against the Faroe Islands and he played him against Moldova. And you know what? He didn't do too badly. There was a lot of media hype around why is he playing someone that hasn't got experience, doesn't know how to play an international. And he did quite well alongside Kivo and Kajora, who plays for Dynamo Kiev. Obviously can't at the moment. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a change of scene. But obviously... We didn't necessarily get the result, Rory, last night against Moldova. We drew 1-1. Very disappointing way we played. We looked like uh, deer in headlights in the first half. We gave too much respect to Moldova, and Moldova gave us a sucker punch. They played for basically those kind of uh, free kicks and corner routines, and it was from a corner that Nicolasu, who scored against Poland in the first game, and he scored a hat-trick that day against Poland in a 3-2 defeat. Um, so, yeah, he scores the opener. Um, Sviderski and Milik have chances thereafter. Sviderski probably, you could have argued, had the better of the chances. Milik's header kind of goes straight at the goalkeeper. Um, but, I, you know, there's a lot of question marks around if Lewandowski was fit. Could he have like made the difference on this day? And probably would have made the difference because I think you've got a player of that quality. He's definitely going to do it. Um, but it does make qualification automatically harder because we're relying on other results. So Czech Republic, for example, have got two games over Poland. Our next game is against the Czech Republic at home in Warsaw. We have to win Rory, to stand a chance and hope results go our way. So we are relying on Moldova doing a job or Albania doing a job. And it, that that's not a scenario we want to go into. Look, I kind of ruled out our chances of qualification anyway. So it looks like we're potentially going to have a chance through the playoffs. I don't necessarily think that's going to be a great chance of us qualifying because I think that this is literally last chance mm-hmm. saloon. But Michal Piobrez, I think, will get the best out of these players. I think he'll get them playing a philosophy that will win us matches. And I think we've got we've got to evolve. We've got to go beyond Lewandowski. I think that that is the key bit. We know Lewandowski is kind yeah. of rumoured to say this is his last chance. Chesney is another one that's come out saying potentially is his last tournament uh, or last qualification, whatever it be. Um, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're a team in transition. We've got a lot of older players that have moved on. Krahoviak has announced his retirement prior to this as well, which we're, I'm personally glad to see the backside of him. Um, but yeah, look, these are players with a lot of experience. That is hard to transition. You know too well mm-hmm. with the island side. It's yeah, well, it's like it's good to get the manager in yes, before that yeah, transition exactly. necessarily starts. If you know what I mean, like not like they're dealing with the squad with those people missing. Yes. You can start implementing things and start kind of figuring out what you've got and make this transition a little bit smoother. So I think that's really great for for Poland. Even though yeah. drawing with Moldova is disappointing, um, there's always bumps in the road, right? But I think just having a positive manager and someone who's a little bit exciting, uh, someone who's obviously yeah. gives a crap <laughs> about the job. 
someone who's like, you know, it's going to be like the pinnacle of their career. I think that's. Like I think I've never told you this, Rory, but um, Fernando um, Santos on his exit of Poland was annoyed that the Polish FA gave him the job because he said he had other opportunities in Saudi Arabia. Had he known he was only going to be there for a couple of months, he wouldn't have picked Poland. I mean, the guy had the option. <laughs> Do a better job then, mate. I, I, I thought Do a that better was job quite then. hilarious. So, um, bye bye, Santos. Bye bye. See you later. That is just that is as you've been exited that from genuinely this role as well. Amazing, like, mate. Absolutely amazing. God damn. He. Yeah, they will not be sad to see the back of him. Um, we do need to, I've just seen, now this is not a nice story, so there's no real way to transition into this. Belgium versus Sweden has been suspended because uh, two Swedish fans oh, have wow. been shot in Brussels. Um, so our thoughts go out to their families, our thoughts go out to the victims. It's good to see that the match has been suspended. Um, obviously, it's all a bit up in the air at the moment, but I just wanted to say mm. that we're thinking of the victims and their families because that is not what we want to see on, uh, in any circumstances. Um, but yeah, that game has been suspended. And no. It's not really important when they'll figure that out, but that will be figured out. I just wanted to say that because wow. it's just come up on Twitter as I was um, as I was looking through. Um, and again, in a very unsmooth transition, um, we're now going to go, because no, there's no real way to maneuver out of that, is there? Um, we're going to go to Group D because there's just a little Italian connection. Yeah. As Vincenzo Montella, the little <laughs> aeroplane, flies into Istanbul, gets two wins in his first two games, mm. is lauded on the pitch as Turkey top the group at the moment. They top, well, no, they finished top. They're six points clear. Yeah. Um, they they top the group and they will be at the next Euros. God. Now, Adam, I have a theory. Nobody is saying they are a dark horse. So are I'm they now a dark because horse? Because last time I said it. I got egg on my face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Last time everybody said it, we all had egg on our face. Um, but it is great to see Turkey get there. Again, a team where I'm like, there is still of a lot of quality there. There is still like a lot of players where, you, okay, well, the first player is Chank <laughs> You can decide if that's actual actual quality or not. But they've got Chalinoglu. They've got like um, the guy from, oh God, yes. the guy at Real Madrid. The really young lad. Um, Yilmaz up front, he's still going. Like, that is a squad that could cause problems for anyone. Obviously, they're beating Latvia 4 0, which is still a very good run. Um, but are we happy to see Turkey Turkey mm-hmm. back at the Euros? Montella doing well. They beat Croatia. Yeah, I, well. I definitely think there's a good chance. Um, Cengiz Under, the Fenerbahce midfielder, is another one to keep an eye out mm. on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we know about Chanologu from his period at, with Inter as well. So I think they've got a few decent individuals. It always seems to be Rory about how they play as a team when they turn up. Now, I, I remember those Turkey mm-hmm. sides that actually, you know, that fourth place finish at the World Cup, for example. You know, they've got a bit of heritage when they want to be you know, and turn up for these tournaments. It's oh, just yeah. we haven't seen it consistently. And I think we're starting to see a bit of a renaissance within Turkish football right now where they're getting a chance. They're, you know, they're playing for bigger sides, right, Rory, these days? Not like they were going through that period yeah, where they were yeah. only in Turkey or it seemed to be Germany half the time, didn't it? Um, so it'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there and is Germany that stealing well, yes. all their players. Mesut Ozil springs to mind, right? But yeah. yeah. Gundogan, like, you can keep going. There was a lot of them. Kadira, like, yeah, all these players who could have played for Turkey. But yeah, great to see them back in the Euros. Hopefully they won't disappoint as much as they did last time. Yes, uh, my mate Kamal yeah. uh, is really, really hoping <laughs> they don't shit the bed this time. So fingers, fingers crossed. Um, but the game's coming up that we do have. Uh, it looks like yeah, Kazakhstan have kind of shattered yeah. the group a little bit, which is really annoying. Um, they lost to Denmark um, away, which isn't a massive surprise, but that's kind of meant that they can't finish yeah. uh, in the top two now. They will be relying on the playoffs, but they do face Finland in Finland and they're currently level on points so Kazakhstan need to get a win there um to make the um their yes automatic or their kind of path a little bit easier um elsewhere we of course have it England versus Italy if you want to see a scrap we have Serbia taking on Montenegro um I can't believe those two teams are allowed to play each other (laughs) genuinely that is insane um we have San Marino Denmark Malta Ukraine Lithuania Hungary and Northern Mm. Ireland Slovenia and then that will be the end of this um 
this international <laughs> break, thank God, and we can get back to the Premier League and Serie yeah. But before we do wrap up, I also want to say, AFCON 2024, people, it is coming. And lost in all the noise, the groups have been drawn. All the big boys are there. Ivory Coast and Nigeria are in the same group. We have Egypt and Ghana, uh, Cameroon, Gambia, mm. Guinea, and Senegal. There's a group that I'm personally very excited about. Um, we have Algeria and Burkina Faso in the same group. Um, Mali, South Africa, Tunisia, and Namibia is going to be a super tricky group. And then Group F, Dr. <laughs> Congo, Morocco, Tanzania and Zambia. So just keep an eye out. Forget it. Don't forget it's coming January. Um, we will be covering it in some way, shape, or form because you know I love African football and I want to give it its props. So yeah, just bear it in the back of your mind. January just a AFCON nice 2024 loose people end here, Rory. Curtis Davies, who used to play for Derby County, Hull City, 38 years old, plays for Cheltenham Town, got a call up for Sierra Leone. The first thing he said was you do realise I'm 38 years old. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful that he's got the opportunity to play international football, though. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Sierra Leone's one of those countries that if they oh, could yeah, get all the players yeah. that have genuinely. moved on, they could have a genuinely incredible team. Um, and we do have an interview in our back catalogue, if you are interested in African football, with the Sierra, former Sierra Leone captain, Sheriff Suma, which was an incredible story. His life is insane, um, and his career was fascinating. Yeah. So do check that out. I might stick it in the episode notes for people who want to find it. But guys, we have officially hit the hour pretty much. So thank you for joining us on your Monday evening. We will be back on Friday to talk, preview all things Premier League and Serie A. There are some massive games coming up this weekend. Um, Adam, anything to say before I send these people uh, home? Look forward to the other side on Thursday. We will see you there. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod, on Instagram at AngloItalianPod. You can hit like and subscribe here um, on the YouTubes. And if you are on our podcast, uh, if you're listening to this via podcast, give us a five-star rating, please. Um, and tell a friend. Grazie mille. Ciao, ciao. A Podcast Network.